everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Sports Unite Podcast. This is episode 4 of season 2. And if you're keeping track at home, it's a lot more episodes than I thought we'd get to. So uh, thank you for joining us this week. It's a solo podcast, but don't worry, we will have a guest back next week. And we have some exciting guests lined up in the future. We're also going to get going our fandom episode and our winners of the episode 25 giveaway from season one have been contacted and there's a kind of special secret part to their prize that they don't know about uh, that I won't tell you right now but stay tuned for that that's the hook to keep you listening to the podcast Uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit later but our uh, listenership has exponentially exploded so thank you so much to the new listeners And to the old listeners, whether you're from day one or this is going to be your first episode, welcome to the Sports Unite podcast. This is a podcast about sports, obviously, and we try and be on the good side, the lighter side, the stuff that's going to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside because sports can do that to us. It also can get us boiled up and angry, but uh, we try and stick to the positive, so We're going to bring it to the news now. We're going to call this news segment uh, a little bit differently. News you need to know or news that you should know, let us know which one you like at sportsnightpodcast at gmail.com or sportsnightpodcast on Instagram and Facebook. Something a little bit flashier, but I'm sure other podcasts have already thought of that title because it's not original. I don't think if it is, I should buy a lottery ticket tonight. For the first time since 1960, now depending on what article you read, some will say 2013, but for uh, historical significance, for the first time since 1960, nobody is going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now there are two ways you can get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. For 10 years after you retire, you are eligible to be voted in by the Baseball Writers Association. And if you receive 75% of the vote, you are uh, in. After those 10 years, you can be voted in by the ERA-based Veterans Committee. Uh, And that happens after your 10 years of eligibility for the Baseball Writers is up. Now, usually, Uh, They vote in players, uh, but because of the pandemic, the Veterans Committee was not able to meet, and therefore no voting occurred. And for the first time since 1960, uh, no one's going in because no one received 75% of the vote from the Baseball Writers Association. This isn't the first time to happen again since 1960. The last time no one was voted in by the Baseball Writers was in 2013. Uh, But there were players voted in by the Veterans Committee, which is why it's significant that we go back to 1960. Because back in 1959-1960, that was the last time nobody got voted in at all. Which is crazy. When you think about it, you think there's always going to be players voted in. Well, baseball has the threshold of 75% and the eligibility. It's a little bit convoluted complicated but it uh, it happened and there will be no class of 2021 however the good news is since the class of 2020 could not celebrate they didn't have their celebration their induction people couldn't go to Cooperstown where the Hall of Fame is 
that was postponed to the summer of 2021, which is this year. So there will be some sort of Hall of Fame celebration, ceremony, as long as everything is safe. I think they'll probably push through it anyways, the way things are going, we hope. Uh, So there will be some induction happening this year just of the class of 2020 and then they will vote again in usually January of 2022 for the class. Now some notable uh, people that are coming up on their last year of eligibility is Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Will they get in? Have everyone kind of forgiven, forgot? I think they should just go in. They helped ignite the game of baseball. Yes, steroids are a problem. I don't see you supporting baseball. I see it as the time period. You went through a period where everyone or lots of people were doing steroids and performance-enhancing drugs. It helped you boost the ratings in the late 90s and throughout the 2000s with the home run race. And baseball was chugging along and acting kind of probably turning a blind eye, but who knows. I think they should get in. We'll leave it at that. Those of you in Canada uh, are probably used to maybe one, two, or three different types of sports, broadcasting duos or anchors, depending on your preferable station to watch. Uh, Here in Canada, we have two very prolific and popular and uh, very passionate sets of uh, anchors that anchor the sports center or sports desk, whatever you want to call it. But growing up watching Sports Center, uh, watching any highlights show, uh, you will have probably grown up in the past 20-ish years with either uh, Jay and Dan on TSN or Tim and Sid from The Score originally moved over to Sportsnet. And one of them, uh, Tim and Sid, are breaking up kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say breaking up, but they're splitting up. Not because they got in a fight or they're angry, but uh, Sid, Sid Sixero of Tim and Sid, uh, is leaving for another opportunity, uh, which is kind of really sad. Sid has lots of hot takes, very, very passionate. Uh, If you've seen any of his outbursts or hot takes or just very good stare at the camera and talk to the people... He's very passionate about what he believes in, very passionate about Canadian sports, uh, how good Canadian athletes are compared to any other country. Uh, He goes on countless rants and talks and emotional pleas for the audience and the internet. I highly recommend, if you've never seen one of his videos or talks, go seek him out on YouTube or any uh, on Sportsnet uh, or the Facebook the Instagram. Uh, They're very, very much online and interacting with people. Uh, It's going to be sad that he's not going to be there. Uh, He's moving to breakfast television. He's going to be very, very amped up early in the morning. Uh, So we wish him the very best. Uh, And again, go watch his clips because sports and sports broadcasting is really losing uh, someone significant. And uh, will there be someone to fill his shoes? I don't think you can fill shoes. I think you're just going to have to find someone different and just as unique as him. So congratulations on this opportunity. We're going to miss you, uh, but I'm sure there are going to be so many more viral clips of early morning television 
uh, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And unfortunately, we did lose a huge sports legend uh, recently, Hank Aaron, uh, just a passionate, important athlete in the baseball community and in sports in general, bridging the gap, being an uh, advocate uh, for colored athletes who didn't have a voice, especially playing in places like Atlanta. He was the king of baseball, king of home runs, a, a huge icon, the king. Uh, I would say probably a very important athlete of uh, that time period. Without Hank Aaron and others like Jackie Robinson, you wouldn't have the progression uh, and you wouldn't have just people understanding that it doesn't matter what color your skin is. You play the game, you're a good person, that's all that should matter. And Hank Aaron rose, he broke the home run record uh, from Babe Ruth. Many people thought it would never happen. And he carried on, he became an icon for Atlanta, for the United States, garnered many friends along the way. And unfortunately, he did pass away uh, at the age of 86. And they recently just had his memorial and funeral service and a cool little thing happened uh, as they were leaving the funeral service they passed by the old Atlanta uh, baseball stadium where he broke well the stadium's not there anymore it's been imploded where they moved uh, into a newer facility the Braves did but they took a detour because where he hit his record-breaking home run they left the wall up in what is now a parking lot uh, for the new stadium Uh, and as he was uh, put into ashes uh, they brought him to his wall for one last view of his uh, very iconic place in sports history Uh, doesn't matter what the sport is Uh, so that was so cool and unique to see Uh, it's unfortunate that when athletes like this and as I get older and I uh, friends get older and parents get older you hear stories of their heroes and sports athletes that they watch as they get older too and we see some of the big legends start to leave us you just hear the stories you hear the impact that they had you hear you read articles from journalists that when they covered them and it just brings up so many good memories and so many more thoughts and even information that you had no idea or you may never have known if someone didn't write about it in a journal or newspaper or someone didn't say it on a podcast. So as we move forward uh, into 2021, as the world starts to heal and we can get back to being together going to sports, gathering outside, watching sports on TV, uh, at a pub, a restaurant, having that unique experience that you always get when you're with a crowd, just those goosebumps moments, to never forget the athletes that got us to this point in sports uh, before we have to lose them and we can't show their appreciation. Uh, I know we're going to be working on something big uh, about our sports heroes in the future, I want to do that right. So who knows when it's going to come out, but it will come out. Uh, And just if you have a sports hero, 
whether you're afraid, you don't think they're going to care. If they're truly your hero and you, you know, send them a message, it's easiest as ever it has been to send a message to an athlete right on their Facebook page, send them a DM, send them a DM on Twitter, uh, do a TikTok and tag them in it or try and get them to see, write a sign, mail them a letter. Some athletes still like the old snail mail, if you, if that's possible. Not many athletes have their home address on uh, the internet for all, but I'm sure there's ways to send people letters let them know let your local heroes know firefighters paramedics your parents let them know what kind of impact they have had and how it has formed you shaped you uh before it's too late because we're getting to that point in some people's lives where those people that they watch day in and day out and kind of formed who they became or interests why they picked up a sport once that's once they are gone you kind of feel like you've lost something inside of you so don't regret that you didn't have the chance to let people know uh, because it's going to make the world to them i hope uh, that there are people out there that they helped form their lives they helped form memories uh, and you know you might get a reply back if not i know it makes me feel better and excited and even just like oh I sent this athlete something like something someone so little insignificant in their lives that they receive a message from if they reply it just shows you that that type of person that you think they are because they're a, a hero of yours if they reply to you that's taking two seconds out of their day to say thanks man you know glad I could be a part of your life or something like that it just incorporates you into their lives, whether they know it or not, but it makes it something. And I'm just rambling now, so we're going to go to the news that will unite us all, a segment that's going to make me talk even more. So Oscar Lindbaum, uh, who uh, had cancer, who plays for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, has recovered, thankfully, and is playing this NHL season. He got written approval from the NHL uh, to wear a pink ribbon on his helmet. Of course, sports leagues don't just let you put anything on uh, helmets, jerseys these days. Uh, They're so, they just want to protect their brand, which is fair for them. They are a business as well. Uh, But something like this, having a pink ribbon, if they would have said no, that just would have been a shitstorm and a half. But it was easily approved. At least I'm going to say it was easily approved. So uh, keep fighting, Oscar. Keep raising awareness uh, for cancer and cancer research. Uh, That's all we can ask for. And in the soccer realm, we just talked with our dear friend uh, Kasra. We have a kind of give and take or spirit of giving, if you will, uh, between the Tottenham Hotspurs and Leeds United. Now, uh, Tottenham Hotspurs uh, was supposed to host, at least their stadium was supposed to host, a NFL game this past season. And in anticipation of that, they had two pitches. One that was on pitches, the field that they play on. Uh, They had two fields, one that they had uh, ready to go. And then after the NFL game was to be played, 
that's going to tear up your pitch a lot. So they had a secondary field ready to go to be installed after the NFL game so that the soccer players wouldn't risk injury and the turf would look good. We all know that the international games for the NFL did not happen. So they just had a secondary field. Their first field is doing fine. Uh, It's doing well, so they don't need the second field. Leeds United was in desperate need of a new field. Uh, After uh, having a horrible weather throughout the summer and the short turnaround that the grounds crew could not work their magic as they do to make the pitch very green and safe and nice to play on, uh, they were kind of in a jam. That's where Tottenham came in. We have a field. We have no need for it. Hey, Leeds, would you like to purchase it? Of course, they made them buy it. They're not going to give just a pristine piece of uh, turf to them. But uh, they sold it to them for £300,000. And it is going to a good cause. Uh, It'll be in play by next week's uh, Leeds United's match. Uh, when they play at home. Uh, Thankfully, uh, it's going to a good cause. Leeds United is currently in 12th position in the table. Uh, They have 26 points, and they're pretty clear right now of the bottom three, so they'll be sticking around for a little bit. Tottenham is in the fight to get to the top five. Uh, They're currently in sixth place at 33 points, uh, right behind West Ham, who's sitting in that fifth spot. And, of course, the top four get to the Champions League. So uh, they're in a fight for uh, the Champions League. Uh, but good news for them. It, helping each other's out. Uh, they could have just said no and let Leeds play on a crappy field. And who knows what would have happened. Uh, but coming together, making sure that everyone plays on a good pitch. It improves the game of football slash soccer. And that's what it's about. It's not about winning or losing when it comes to that. Everyone having the chance to play on a good field is what we need more of in the world. So congratulations on the new pitch. I will be tuning into that match next week. It is on February uh, 3rd, I believe, is their next match uh, to look at the, the pitch. We're going to try a new segment now that has to do with a uh, a news update that came out of Canada. Uh, it's called What's the Word? Now, we uh, tried What's the Word out with Alvaro. Worked really, really well. And uh, in this What's the Word segment, we're going to talk about names. What's in a name? And why do teams pick names? Sometimes it's for pop culture. Like the raptors' sake, Jurassic Park was pretty big. Their dinosaurs are very prevalent in Canada. Also, uh, not so much in Toronto, where they play. More of the western part of Canada, Alberta. There's a huge uh, dinosaur provincial park uh, near Drumheller. Highly suggest you go. Excellent museum. Uh, if you're in the United States, uh, obviously Montana, Wyoming, uh, the Midwest area. Lots of dinosaur bones have been found there as well. Not so much in Toronto, where Toronto Raptors play, but Jurassic Park was big when the name and the team was coming up. Uh, Vancouver, when they had a basketball team, the Grizzlies, uh, makes more sense because there are lots of bears in BC, lots of forest areas. Uh, It's 
very much like a rainforest in these parts of BC. Again, if you ever get a chance, highly recommend going to visit uh, British Columbia. But again, on the West Coast too, you have Seattle, you have Oregon State, Washington State, lots of different rain climates and forests there. Lots of different bears live in that part, so it makes sense. Sometimes you get teams like the Utah Jazz. I can't say that the Jazz are uh, very, you know, jazz music is very prominent in Utah, but that's because they moved from New Orleans. Jazz makes sense there. It's pretty prevalent and intertwined in their identity from New Orleans. And then you get a sport like soccer. We focused very much on basketball there. Those were the first three names that came to mind. Uh, we go hockey as well. Um, sometimes, again, more prevalent. But for hockey, I find the names are supposed to be forceful and, uh, you know, just that adrenaline and rage for hockey because it's a very physical sport. But when you get a sport like soccer or football, they don't really have names. And definitely in Europe, we just talked about uh, the EPL. They are called uh, based on where they play. You have Man City, Manchester United, Leicester City, Liverpool. Uh, sometimes they have what we would consider a mascot or a logo. So Leicester City has a fox. Um, Tottenham has a, a bird. Uh, Chelsea has a lion. Uh, some of them, Wolfhamptons, Wolves, obviously. Crystal Palace is an eagle. They don't have team names like what we have here in North America. It's very much a North American thing to name your city and team high school sports after uh, an animal or maybe thunder. The Lots of different things you can name. And it's supposed to either mean something to your city, where you're located, your school, uh, the area that it is, or something forceful that's going to sound like they're, you're in for a hard time if you're playing the, the thunder or the reckoning, something like that. Um, but when it comes to soccer here, especially with Major League Soccer, they tried the name thing. Some teams have names, some teams are like traditional uh, soccer slash football naming. So in Canada, we have three MLS teams, and then there's the CPL, uh, the Canadian Premier League, uh, in a young infant stage uh, for some of those teams. Uh, but for the MLS teams, we have three. So TFC, we have uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, and we have the Montreal Impact, or we did. So TFC, traditional uh, soccer name, Toronto Football Club. Vancouver Whitecaps uh, have a name there, but then you get Montreal, and Montreal is the uh, reason why we have this segment here today. They were called the Impact, and they have uh, quite a bit of history uh, in the city of Montreal. Before joining uh, the MLS, they played uh, in other leagues and kind of moved up uh, through expansion into the MLS, but lately... They have just switched their name and logo and essentially uprooted the identity and fans not so happy. They switched to CF Montreal. 
ça c'est parce que c'est en français, donc la, la ville de Montréal, so the city of Montreal is tellement français, very much French. Uh, so instead of, of Montreal Football Club, so MFC, they are the CFM, uh, for short form, au Club de Foot Montreal. So in English, it's still Club de Foot. So get used to saying Club de Foot. You could say three words in French. Bravo, tu peux parler un petit peu français. If you don't understand French, then I just spoke gibberish to you. And uh, well, there you go. Intro to French. Uh, I shouldn't be a French teacher. Uh, but they didn't consult their fan club. So soccer have clubs and fan clubs and huge supporters. Uh, all those fans that sit behind uh, the net uh, in Montreal, they have a huge bell in their club section and they ring it every time they score. So they have passionate fans. Many soccer teams or clubs do. When you do a complete identity overhaul like Montreal did, they changed the logo, the name. Uh, what they did with the logo is it kind of bring brings back the old style logos of uh, Expo 67 and the Montreal Olympics in 76. So you kind of get that 60s, 70s vibe when you look at the, it almost looks like a snowflake with a star in the middle. You have the fleur de lis on either side and then the name in uh, on the top and the bottom. But it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, no indication that they were even thinking about changing their name or identity. But the owners thought that this was the time. Uh, they are still white and blue. Uh, that the, the colors of the club have not changed really. They dropped kind of the red, a little bit of red in their uniforms, but not so much. It was mostly white, blue, and black, and they've stuck with that. Uh, and they, the team owners are happy with that. It caught fans by surprise, and I think the reason why we saw an uproar on social media and people were ticked off, angry, is that it just kind of seemed to happen out of nowhere. And I kind of wanted to have this discussion because we haven't really seen this uh, at all, uh, a big, huge change in identity. We've had uh, teams change logos. My favorite hockey team, the Auto Senators, went back from uh, the 3D logo back to the original logo that they came out with when they entered into the NHL. You get teams who create an identity when the team is created or comes back uh, or moves to a city. Sometimes they will change the name uh, or sometimes they won't, a la Utah Jazz. Uh, or sometimes they'll create a whole new uh, team like the Charlotte Bobcats. Uh, when they Charlotte got a team back, uh, they were called the Bobcats and not the Charlotte Hornets because the Hornets team itself moved to New Orleans and they stayed the New Orleans Hornets until 2013 when, knowing that the Hornets name has no relation to New Orleans, uh, changed to the Pelicans, which they are today. So uh, the name Hornets was available again. Charlotte jumped on that and became the Hornets back in 2014. Outside of that, we don't really have name huge name changes like that. Uh, we got the New Orleans situation because the name just didn't feel right. It never felt right. Uh, if Seattle gets a team, which we've talked about before, uh, probably going to get another basketball team. 
If you name them anything other than the Supersonics, I think Seattle will explode. But, again, it's not... Seattle hasn't been there. It's not like they changed Seattle and made them the Seattle Thunderbirds instead of the Supersonics. The team has gone away. So I think it's a little different when you have a rebirth of a team or a new expansion team and you go through a name change. To have a complete name identity swap uh, like this, I guess the closest, this New Orleans Hornets to the Pelicans, it's kind of, if you, I guess, put it side by side, but the the name, it just came, they came with the name. They didn't get to pick their own name. They didn't really feel like they had their own identity. Montreal has had a long identity, and they just upped and switched it out without kind of preparation or leakage to the press or social media, which is very hard to do these days, that a name change could be coming. And it caught a lot of people off guard, like we said. So what's your thoughts? If your team changed... Now, again, this is very much a North American problem uh, because many uh, names in Europe uh, kind of associate with the town that you play in. If the Toronto Raptors uh, just upped and went, you know what, dinosaurs aren't cool anymore. We're going to be called uh, the Toronto CN Towers or the Toronto Towers, the TTs. Uh, which is funny because the TTC is their uh, bus and subway system. Uh, so there'd be all sorts of memes about that. But if your favorite team, say in the NBA or Major League Baseball, minus the uh, the Cleveland situation, which is a whole other can of worms, uh, just up for no reason, no uh, pressure. Uh, we don't have a you know Washington Football Club. Uh, those are completely separate arguments, but say uh, my football team, San Francisco 49ers, if we just decided, you know what, we don't want to be decided, uh, associated with the gold rush of uh, California, we're just going to become the California avocados, that just out of nowhere, the fans aren't clamoring, uh, I know for the Ottawa Senators, Fans for a long time have been clamoring to change the logo. And that's just the logo. And it took a lot longer than it should have. They changed the logo. Not the name, though. Identity, they went back kind of retro-ish. But they just went back into their shorter team history. But to just up and change all of that history, all of that association with a name... And not have the fans clamoring, just have the owners be like, "It's, it's time for a change is almost unheard of if you've heard of a situation or if you have a situation that your uh, another team has done let us know on our social media let's get the discussion going uh we'll read some of your responses next episode uh it just it, it's crazy to me that it just kind of happened and happening in the middle of winter uh when the season's gonna hopefully start in april or well, i think it usually starts in march but we're gonna say it probably won't start till april or may this time around just for a new completely new identity new jerseys new logos you're gonna have to you know, if you really like the team you're gonna have to buy a new jersey new hat just out of the blue it seemed like 
If you are a supporter of uh, the Montreal Club de Foot and you saw this happening, please let us know because I certainly did not see this. I'm not a diehard uh, fan of any MLS team, uh, so I might not have been in the circles to know, but uh, hearing reaction of their own fans and others around the league, it kind of came as a shock. So let us know on our social media pages, uh, Instagram and Facebook, Sports Night Podcast, uh, Sports Night Pod 1 on Twitter, and Sports Night Podcast at gmail.com if you'd rather email us, kind of getting to the old-fashioned way. Just let us know. What is your team? What would your reaction be if your favorite team just up and changed the name and identity just because? And we're going to switch to our Olympic coverage. Uh, This sport, we are out of the A's. We've completed the A's in the uh, Olympic events. It's going to be a long haul. We hopefully finish in time before the Olympics. But this week's sport is badminton. Everyone's favorite gym class activity uh, because you don't really have to do much. But you do have to set the nets up and down if you're that unlucky class. At least I had to in in my gym class in high school. I'm sure some of you out there did make your school's badminton teams. Uh, Watching Olympic badminton is very, very different than watching high school badminton. Those high school players that uh, were, you know, pretty good and would win your uh, region or however your sports uh, school or athletics association did it, You could tell the person or the two people that were going to meet in the finals for singles, or you could tell that team was going to be very, very good. Uh, It did not become an official event at the Olympics until 1992, so it's a fairly new event. Not a new sport, but just new event. 69 different countries have participated in the event, with 19 countries qualifying in uh, every Olympics uh, since the inception of 1992. So... Uh, Lots of new countries have qualified throughout the different Olympics, but we've seen the same 19 countries. Badminton consists of five events. We have the men's and women's singles and doubles event and a mixed doubles event. Badminton began as a demonstration sport in 1972. This is, uh, if you've ever heard the term demonstration sport or not quite sure what it means, it usually means that the sport is being played at the Olympics, but it's not an official event. So athletes come and they participate. There's no official medal count. It doesn't go towards a country's uh, eventual medal tally. But uh, it's a test to see how people will react to the sport being in the Olympics. Usually it only takes a a couple Olympics for an event to either be granted entry into the uh, Olympic schedule or just cut. Uh, It took 20 years, but eventually, in 1992, it became an official event. It began its journey with four events, the singles and doubles of men and women, and then in 1996, the fifth event was added, the uh, mixed teams event, to get us to five. The playing format is a group play followed by a playoff uh, round for competition. However, because of the badminton scandal of 2012, which we will talk about in a second, the second place teams of each pool would be submitted into a draw to see who they play. Oh yes, everyone loves a scandal, especially on the Olympic 
size because Olympics means it's huge. The badminton scandal of 2012 took place in the women's doubles competition. Four pairs, two teams from South Korea, one Chinese team and one Indonesian team, were disqualified and ejected from the tournament after being found not competing to the full extent. See, you always have to try hard, kids. If you don't, you just try and coast by, you get kicked out of the Olympics. It goes deeper. So on July 31st, one of the two strong Chinese teams were surprisingly upset by Denmark. Uh, and this Denmark team is uh, very competitive into the 2016 team, so it wasn't just a fluke or they lost on purpose. They lost. Even though they had lost, they still qualified for the knockout stage because they would finish in the top, tool, top two in the pool. In total for the team's event, there are 16 teams that compete, so if you finish top eight, you advance into the playoff round. The Denmark team defeating the Chinese team that would eventually go on to win the gold medal happened in Pool D. So they would... The other Chinese team, who was also ranked in the top four uh, in the tournament, was facing one of the South Korean teams in their final pool match. Both teams had already qualified, but the Chinese team did not want to face the other Chinese team. And it's a well-known... I don't know, well-known, but it's out there that Chinese teams do not want to face each other unless it's for the gold medal. So in order for that Chinese team in the other pool to not face the Chinese team from Pool D that lost to Denmark, they would have to lose their game against South Korea. So they are playing, and you could tell that the Chinese team playing the South Korean team was not putting in their best effort. South Korean team, not being uh, dumb, kind of caught on to what was happening and decided, well, if you're going to try and lose, then we're going to try and lose even harder. So that's exactly what they did. They figured out a way that, oh, we're going to play to lose. It appeared that the other South Korean team and the Indonesian team were doing the exact same thing in their final game. All this to avoid playing a strong team that had a surprising loss. This defies what the Olympics are all about. You are supposed to give your very best, like no one ever was. That's right, a Pokemon reference. Thus failing the entire integrity of the reason the Olympics were brought about. The sport was embarrassed. The Olympics were embarrassed. It was just a huge black eye for everyone. Those four teams were disqualified and creating a huge big scandal. From that point on, that is why there is a second place draw to avoid teams trying to tank to avoid playing another stronger team. And hopefully you got all that. If it doesn't make sense, then I apologize because I can't uh, read or write which appears it could be the case. How to qualify for the Badminton Olympics going forward? There are 172 places available for athletes to qualify. The process usually happens uh, a year for a year period, originally set uh, between April 2019 and April 2020 uh, to go towards the 2020 Olympics. Uh, but it has been pushed from April 2019 to April 2021 to allow teams to play more matches and get qualification that way. The qualification happens uh, 
based on the ranking, whether it's singles or doubles, in the Badminton World Federation. In singles, all top 16 ranked teams by the end of the qualification period get a ticket to the Olympics. But, and there's always a but, only two athletes uh, from an individual country can qualify. So if there are three Chinese uh, singles athletes in the men's division or three uh, Indonesian uh, women's players that are ranked in the top 16, only two get a qualification. So hopefully you're the top two in your country in that 16 rank because uh, third best in your country does not cut it. Those ranked 17 and below then begin to fill out the uh, rest of the field based on, uh, based on the best rankings and if your country already has two better athletes. So let's say this. So on the women's side, we just said that three Indonesian uh, women are in the top 16. So the top two qualify. Uh, number three, if you're ranked uh, 15th, very sorry, you don't get to go to the Olympics. So that means uh, there are only 15 spots that have been filled. So uh, if you're ranked 17th, you get in. If you're ranked 18th, you get in. Ranked 19th, you get in. So uh, the more people that suffer from being uh, in a country with strong badminton players in the top 16, that means that the lower ranked uh, individuals or teams get uh, a better shot uh, to go into the Olympics. For doubles, like we said, only 16 teams get to qualify. So again, teams 1 to 8 get their tickets punched unless there are already two strong teams from one country that are ranked in the top eight. So unlike singles, and like I've been saying, it's not top 16, it's top eight because there are only 16 teams. Teams nine and lower are accepted based on space and how many teams from your country you already have. Again, each continental region will have one spot allocated for singles and doubles. If uh, that is not filled by the... Uh, if your uh, if your region has not already been filled based on the qualification standards already said above, uh, the highest ranked individual or team will fill that regional qualification spot. Japan is allowed to send one male and female or teams in all events, uh, and they can qualify more based on the usual method. So that is the outlier. The host country automatically gets a entrance in the men's, uh, the women's, and the teams, and then they can qualify two more if they are in that uh, top 16 or uh, the top eight for teams, uh, and they get in that way. There are six spots held for invitations, three for each gender, uh, for the singles event. Uh, if an athlete qualifies for both singles and doubles, another place in the singles side of that gender will be given so that there are always 86 men and 86 women equally. So that's a very, very unique thing. Another spot will be given, uh, again, down the rankings, uh, if someone has qualified for both uh, teams and uh, individual, which is pretty unique. The Rio Olympics were a lot less scandalous uh, Olympics compared to London in 2012. Uh, in the men's single, gold went to 
Chen Long of China, Li Qin Wei Silver from Malaysia, and Victor Alexson of Denmark won bronze. See, Denmark's pretty good at badminton. Women's singles, Carolina Marina, a very happy story if you haven't seen her struggle uh, in the badminton world. There's a very good video set out on the Olympic YouTube channel. Go and check out her story. Uh, she was able to win gold from Spain. Uh, PV Sindhu of uh, India, this, the silver, and Nomazi Okuhara got bronze. The men's double, the Malaysian team of Ga Vi Sem and Tan Wei Kian got gold, while China's Fu Hanfin and Zhang Nang got silver. And Great Britain's Marcus Ellis and Chris Langdridge got bronze. I am very sorry that I'm butchering these names. I did practice, I swear. The women's double side, Japan's Masaki Matsutomo and Ayaka Takahashi won gold against uh, Christiane Pedersen and Camilla Ritter-Jun of Denmark. Uh, that was the Denmark team that started the huge scandal in the Olympics uh, in 2012. Uh, so they are the real deal. Uh, they uh, won silver, so they're uh, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, South Koreans Jung Kyun-un and Shin Shun-jan won bronze. In the mixed doubles, Indonesians Tan Tuan Ahmed and Iliana Nasturi won gold against Malaysian team of Chen Pin Sun and Gon Liu Huying. Uh, they got the silver. And Chinese team of Zhan Nang and Zhao Yu Li won bronze. Badminton is supposed to take place, uh, as long as nothing else changes, cross our fingers, between July 24th and August 2nd of 2021. And that is the lowdown on badminton. Hopefully I didn't confuse you again. If I did, let us know. I will uh, go back to kindergarten and learn to read and write. And before uh, this episode ends, uh, I know it's a long time to listen to just me talk, uh, I wanted to take a moment, uh, like I said at the top of the show, to thank each and every one of you. Uh, I, I started this podcast as a way to talk sports. Uh, after moving, I didn't really know anyone and didn't have anyone to talk sports with. Uh, it was fine to talk digitally with friends, but it's better to go and watch sports with uh, someone at a bar and uh, you know play sports play rec sports uh, and then the pandemic happened and that made that impossible uh, so like everyone else uh, seemingly during the pandemic uh, I turned to the internet and podcasting I think every single person has started a podcast every celebrity every uh, why not uh, so not knowing what would happen I just kind of started to talk talk about my knowledge. I like to think I am not pretty knowledgeable for a lot of sports and can hold my own in conversations. And then given the chance to do research, I can really excel. Now, who knows what's going to happen in the future with this podcast. In five years, I may blow up and become the the hottest thing since sliced bread and Joe Rogan to talk spot podcasting and sports. Uh, I don't think this voice sounds uh, is at that level, but who knows? Um, and really, this is just to give uh, people a way to listen, learn a little bit about sports, uh, create a community to talk about it. Um, who knows? But lately, this podcast has exploded. And when I mean exploded in listening, I mean instead of having 
just 100 or 200 listens. We're uh, up to 560 downloads, which is crazy. We're over halfway to 1,000, which is just bonkers to me. Uh, And it gives me the emotions, the feels, and that's what sports is all about. That's why we love sports. If you're here and you don't listen to sports, um, thank you for supporting mom and dad, I guess. Um, But it gives us the emotion, the ups and downs, the happiness you feel when your team is on fire and the downs when you're, it's just not your year again and again and again. You feel a part of the team that you follow and you don't even play for them. We all have our reasons for picking our teams, our hometown love, hatred for your hometown, you have a favorite player, or you just like the pretty colors. Uh, Then it becomes a part of you. The more you follow, the more it becomes ingrained in you, the more you watch, and you can't help it. It really just digs deep and sometimes becomes a part of your life. You plan things around where your team plays. You go on vacations to watch your team play in an away stadium so people can boo at you and throw popcorn and maybe spill a beverage on you and just to see your team. But we deal with it. We deal with that pain and emotion because we love it. It is a part of us. That's why this podcast exists. Not for the fame, not for the money, not for the sponsorship, Unless you are willing to sponsor the podcast, uh, I am not opposed to having a sponsor. Please reach out. Uh, But to talk sports, to connect and get those stories out there, especially the ones that you don't necessarily hear. Getting those happy stories, which is why we focus on the happiness portion, is uh, because it is a part of us and we want that good feeling. Uh, And those lesser known stories that don't get blown up by national news or international news, that's what we try and talk about here. Uh, That's why it's called the Sports Unite podcast, because sport has the power to unite us. Whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, it can unite us. The Olympics are a good part of that. When the Olympics were here in Canada in 2010, just go. Go on YouTube and there is a huge compilation video of massive amount of crowds watching the gold medal game between Canada and the United States, watching parties, viewing parties, people living room. So many people were together. And of course, Canada winning does definitely help. Uh, Being Canadian, you hear the roar of the crowd when uh, Sidney Crosby goals happen. It, It drives that emotion. You know, you weren't even in that video and you know exactly how those people are feeling in that moment because you were watching it. You were there. If you weren't watching it, uh, it might not strike as big of a pose uh, or an emotional feel for you. But for those who are watching, for those definitely in Canada, every single 37 plus million of us can know exactly how we felt in that moment. It has been a tough year all around. Everyone has suffered, not just sports. Sports are not special. They don't deserve special recognition. They are a way for people to get distracted, to not think about the horrors and the bad things that are going on in the world. Uh, but it does become a part of us. And when sports is not playing, when, you're, when your league is in the off season. I know some people that kind of feel lost. They just kind of kick rocks and 
be like, oh, cool, September, hockey started. I Like, they feel energized again. Or, you know, September, NFL started. And after the Super Bowl, they go, what happens next? What do I do? I, I guess I could, you know, play video games or read a book. Some people actually feel lost. When I wrote this script, it was on the one-year anniversary of the helicopter crash that killed seven people, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. For those who follow basketball, for those who follow Kobe Bryant, uh, for those who follow very passionate athletes, it still hurts, and it's going to hurt for a long time. Being able to celebrate his life right before things got crazy kind of helped. Many people see it as a, you know, a telling tale that 2020 was really going to suck. Uh, I I'm can't really argue with either of those. The day this podcast is released and the day we are recording this, here in Canada, it's Bell Let's Talk Day. Now, whether you like Bell or not, you're part of their network. Uh, here in Canada, we pretty much have three big cell phone providers or internet providers, Bell, Rogers, and TELUS. There are others as well, but those are what we call the big three. Whether you like Bell or not, that's not the point of this day. This day uh, was created to end the stigma of mental health. Get the conversation going and allow people an open forum to communicate, talk about their struggles, and make it Make it known that anyone out there, if you struggle, that you are not alone. And being able to talk to someone, that there are people out there that can help you do this. That it's not, you're not having to do this alone. Because every year we go through this, we get up to this day and you start to hear stories, especially from athletes, uh, people that we look up to, again, people that we think are so tough and nothing can phase them. And you hear stories about how they struggle at night, how they don't know how they can tie their skates, that this is uh, an okay way to be because there are others just like you and being able to talk about it, having it out in the open might make it easier for someone struggling to come out and say, hey, I need help and have them know that that's okay. It's okay to need help. You might not know you need help and you might not be ready to talk about it and that's okay too. But when you are and if you are ever ready, know that there is a huge community out there that is ready to cheer you on ready to listen and ready to help in any way that you see fit. Everyone that goes through mental illness wants to deal with it differently, wants different help, different support. And if you are out there and you know someone, and I guarantee you, we all have someone in our lives that is dealing with it, whether it's silent or not, be that person that they can go to. And that's what we want to be here at the Sports Unite podcast. We are in ear for you. We are here to champion you, support you. And if you are suffering from any form of mental illness, know that we are here for you. We will talk sports all day. If you want to talk movies, if you want to talk TV shows, books, video games, what type of hats you like to collect, jerseys, uh, what's your favorite pen? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to talk about, we are here for you as well. While we focus on sports, we are here to unite people any way possible. And with that, 
That is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast, listening to me alone. I promise next week uh, we will be joined by a guest. We will be going through Super Bowl madness. I don't know. Can we say Super Bowl? Are we going to get caught by the NFL? Uh, we make no money off this podcast, so please don't uh, sue us NFL, but the big game, we'll be talking about the big massive game, uh, that is going to happen, uh, in, uh, just, uh, next week, next weekend, and that's the end of the NFL season, so, uh, stay tuned for that, we'll be talking about all the crazy bets that you can bet on in the Super Bowl, all the food, uh, all the year-ending uh, football talk, and of course, the news that will unite us all and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, take care of yourselves. Talk to someone. Be the change in this world that we need. Let's make 2021 so very bright. And I can't wait to cheer in the stands with all of you and have that communal sports feeling. And always, always, always sport on.